We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day Seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge, the answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 177. The 2017 Yankees have clinched a playoff spot, something nobody saw coming at the beginning of the season, Scott. Look, this was supposed to be a rebuild. Screw the rebuild. Scratch the plans. The plans are bad. Nobody actually knew the real plans because apparently they were going after it. They made a hell of a run. The division is gone. Just, I mean, let's just forget about it at this point. Who cares? doesn't matter. Yes, we're going to the playoff game right now, the wild card game. Got to win that game. game. The Singular. game, the one game, got to win it so that we can get to a series because ultimately that's what we need. We need to get to this series so that this this team can actually shine with the way that it's made up. But hell yeah, this is uh, this is huge. The, the, the fact that they overachieved in such a, uh, just a superior way this year and actually got to the playoffs is phenomenal. Cheers to, uh, cheers to a hell of a season already. Hopefully it gets even better. 
What a weird freaking season it was. Severe overachievement up until June and then severe underachievement for two months. And then they're playing good baseball again in September. And I think when, to think back, we were doing this podcast back in 2015 when they clinched that uh, wild card against the Astros. That was an older team. That team also wasn't expected to do anything. And a lot of the veteran guys were playing well. But they were all in a tailspin towards the end of the season. So I think the, the tone around the Yankees at that point was, we're crossing our fingers for the wildcard game. Now, this team is playing well. They're young. They shouldn't be tired as they're going into this wildcard game. And they're playing the freaking Minnesota Twins. You got to win that game at home. Yeah, it's a totally different animal than what happened against the Dallas Keuchel-led Houston Astros when Keuchel was just our, our... He was our daddy at that point. He was dominating. I don't think the Yankees had scored a run on him for like 20 innings or 19 innings or something like that up until that that uh, that wild card game. And then it was much of the same thing. The offense couldn't get going. And we were praying that Tanaka would stay in the game and that it would be a, a low scoring game because um, we knew that the Yankees weren't going to score runs back then. That just it was that was the way that it was going happening going into that game. It was the tone of that uh, of that team this year. Totally different animal. The depth is ridiculous. The young studs are all there. And, you know, we are now expecting, no doubt, to get past the freaking Twins and to go on and play uh, with what the Indians. So that would be, uh, that's the expectation right now. And I can guarantee 95% of Yankee fans agree with me. The Indians, maybe it'll be the Astros, though. That, that is not locked up. The number one seed in the American League has not been locked up yet. Right, right. Not yet, but it's, it's still looking like it's going to be the, um, still looking like it's going to be Cleveland. Even though Boston now, when they play Houston, that's two teams most likely at that point, probably won't be playing for much. True. The Astros are two games behind Cleveland for the number one record. They play Boston for four games towards the end of at the last four games of the season. That's why I was still holding out hope for the Yankees in the division because I knew the Astros might have something to play for, and those might be tough games for Boston. But you're right. If Boston has already, has already locked up the division, they're five games up on the Yankees at this point. And like we've been saying, it's not really to the Yankees' fault. They have been playing great baseball in September. The Red Sox have been playing equally as good baseball, and they won again today, so slightly better baseball. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, if the other team that you're trying to catch continues to win and doesn't slip when you're actually winning, and you guys start losing, even if when you do lose a game, you both lose it the same day, so there's no, there's no ground gained. I mean, it seems like that happened a couple times, and then, and then yeah, today, today being Sunday is when we're recording was, to me, the dagger. I mean, you go five games back with you know, less than a week to play that you're, you're screwed at that point. There's no way you're catching that team. Um, so look, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, we're in a place that we didn't think we were going to be. So now the Yankees can completely prepare, which might not be the worst thing in the world, in all honesty. I mean, as much as we wanted the division, as much as I wanted the division to beat the Red Sox, at least, at least the Yankees can have a week of preparation and line things up exactly the way they want it to be lined up. That's very true. And the like we've been saying, it's going to be a celebration, celebrating a season that we did not expect coming on September 30th. But, but, <laughs> of course, plans slightly change. Yes. Uh, so once the Yankees actually clinched that same day, uh, I got a message on Instagram, someone who was like, hey, I just checked the schedule again and the game says one o'clock. I'm like, come on, man, you can't, t- not one o'clock. Uh, so yeah, sure as shit, the Major League Baseball changed the game and moved the game ahead, not back, but ahead. The Yankees said that it's never been done, won't be done, can only be pushed to 7 o'clock. Oh no, Major League Baseball apparently does whatever they want, and they moved it to 1 o'clock. So now, the September 30th game, the outing, is uh, a 1 o'clock game. So we are making plans now, we're shifting things around, we are adjusting, 
And um, we're still good with the brewery beforehand. Uh, maybe some other plans. I'm working on just a, f- a few phone calls I'm, I'm making to some places around the stadium. If I could bring it closer, the pregame closer to the stadium, I will. Uh, just because I know it's going to be a lot earlier. So um, I'm working on that. Hopefully I'll have something resolved tomorrow, Tuesday at the latest. But everybody who has purchased tickets, I will. Uh, you'll be looking for an email from me. If you have not purchased tickets yet, definitely go grab them. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a celebration of the season. Basically, we're all going to go out and have a great time. And um, and then just get ready for the playoffs. I mean, we're going to be uh, loud. Loud doesn't matter what the situation is for that game. We're going to be loud and cheering these boys on because uh, two days after that, three days after that, they're playing a wild card game, and that's going to be huge. I expect that Saturday to be the final tune-up for the regulars because I could see Girardi giving all the regulars the day off on Sunday, give them two full days off before that wild card game. He's not going to give them three days off, though, because when you're going into a do-or-die game, essentially a game seven, you don't want guys to be rusty. So I expect the full lineup or close to a full lineup to be playing on that Saturday while we're there. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, if you're looking at a couple of guys that are out, you know, we're, the, the people who are behind them are pretty fun to watch as well. That's the nice thing about this team is that everybody's there. Um, you know, if you're not playing Brett Gardner, probably Clint Frazier's going to be in, you know, and people are pumped to see that too. So, look, there's, there's a number of things that can happen, but you're right. They have to stay sharp for a, two, uh, a Tuesday game. Um, so, no doubt, they're going to continue to play. You can't break rhythm at that point. And at the very least, we can heckle Jose Bautista on his way out the door of Toronto. Yeah. No, that's exactly what we'll be doing. We will be in his ear all game long. Well, he got quite uh, quite the ovation up in Toronto this weekend. Uh, I mean, it makes sense. He's been uh, uh, he's been the face of the Blue Jays the last few years, especially that bat flip a couple seasons ago. But it's I think it's funny because they haven't announced that they're not re-signing him. He hasn't announced that he's retiring or anything. It's just everyone is acknowledging the fact that he's no longer going to be a Toronto Blue Jay. Yeah, the writing's on the wall. I mean, they didn't really want him this year. They That was like a last-minute decision. Nobody wanted Batista, and they were like, okay, just come back for one more year. Maybe you can you know, make something of yourself and prove that you're not over the hill and you can get a contract somewhere else. But this is probably going to be it. So um, I think the uh, everybody understood the situation, and they're definitely not going to be bringing him back. I mean, he's, he still gets paid a good amount of money for a one-year deal, and the Blue Jays are going in a different direction at this point. Yeah. So the Yankees wrapped up their road schedule this weekend in Toronto, and I thought it was kind of um, an important game, not only because you're still going for the division on Sunday, but had they won, they would have been a game over 500 on the road this season, and instead they're a game under 500 on the road. So just for, I guess, aesthetics purposes, that that's kind of annoying, the fact that they played under 500 ball. They're a better than under 500 baseball team uh, on the road. Yeah, no, it's interesting when you look at that because um, I think what started that entire tailspin was the the road, the um, the series out in California. I mean, always California series. Hell. Yeah, the West Coast trips were ones that always, whenever I see them on a calendar, you know, I'm shaking in my boots because I mean, ever since I was a kid, going to the West Coast was a nightmare. And the Yankees have really. There have been a couple of years. I know I've been. I forget which years it were, but people have tweeted me that no, at this point they're they they did great. There, there are a couple years that there are exceptions, but for the most part, for the majority of the past 20 years, 20 to 30 years, the Yankees have had a very difficult time on the West Coast, and that's where it all started, the, the road trip on the West Coast. And um, yeah, when I looked down at the numbers and I saw that that was the case, that they were going to be a game under or over 500, I was surprised, actually. I didn't think it was all that close. I didn't think, I thought they were over 500. It all boiled down to that one moment when the timeline skewed, that second game in Anaheim in June, when Chris Carter dropped the baseball. 
from Didi Gregorius. A run scored. It was an error. It extended the inning. Sabathia went down with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Tyler Clippard came in and barfed all over himself, and then it was all downhill from there. And the, the snowball did not stop rolling down the hill, essentially, until mid-August. That was a, that was a hell of a snowball. That was an insane amount of things. Wasn't that when Glaber Torres also got hurt? Yeah, he got hurt like a, like three or four days after that. Yeah, so it was just it was just like hit after hit after hit after having such a great start. All of a sudden, Chris Carter, the reason for that entire snowball, was uh, you know closing his eyes, closing the glove all too soon. It was just you know it's a it's a microcosm of what happened that entire stretch. So it was uh, it was a bad time, but guess what? The Yankees prevailed. They moved past it. Now they're in the playoffs. So. I'm loving it. The fact that they came back from that also, let's talk about that for a second. The fact that they had such a bad middle of the season and it went through different phases of the game too. The starters were terrible at one point. The relievers were terrible at one point. The offense was terrible at one point. Aaron Judge was terrible at one point, (laughs) if if anybody can uh, say that out loud because he's like the golden child now. This guy, I mean, the, the entire team had problems in the middle of the season and they overcame it. They said put that in the past. They came back out when the time was, uh, you know, come end of August, beginning of September, and they started playing really good baseball. They all got healthy again. And I think that shows a lot about this team. And uh, it does show a lot about Joe Girardi and the way that he managed his team. I think because he got his, his guys out of it. And he, he did have this Yankees team playing very good baseball down the stretch. That's a good point because a young team, once they hit the first speed bump in the road, a lot of times will just fold. This team didn't fold, and that's why I think it was completely warranted why they celebrated the wild card berth on Saturday. A lot of people chirping on social media saying the Yankees are better than this. The Yankees should not celebrate a wild card berth. They didn't even clinch the number one wild card seed. They didn't clinch a division. What the hell are they celebrating for? Baseball is a long fucking season. It's six months plus spring training, 162 games. You get to that point where you know you're going to the playoffs. Relax. Pop some champagne. Pour Budweiser's on Meredith's head. Have some freaking fun. I loved it. I hate the people that say that they shouldn't have celebrated. Yeah, maybe the 90s Yankees wouldn't have celebrated a wild card berth or they don't the 90s Yankees didn't celebrate when they advanced to the to the playoffs because the goal was to win another World Series. But Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino, all these guys, this is their first taste of this. Of course they need to be celebrating this. It's a different it's a different time now. Someone was tweeting me about this and asking if I agreed with it if I thought they were and I said yeah they probably will I'm like eh like I don't really care for it but at the same time it doesn't bother me anymore and then I did hashtag get off my lawn because that's kind of like the old school thing like don't celebrate until you've actually like truly achieved something I get it I understand it but it's a totally different era at this point one first of all when back in the day when people were uh, clinching first of all there weren't as many you were clinching a division win you know if there was a wild card there was one the the celebrations were definitely kept more quiet. There weren't as many cameras. There wasn't social media. There wasn't the internet the way it is. It's just, there's a different time in that sense. So we see it a lot more. It's probably sponsored. I guarantee there were sponsors because of the, um, somebody was probably sponsoring the tarps that were up in the lockers. Someone was probably sponsoring the raincoats that were on some of the Yes Network, the ponchos that were on some of the Yes Network, I think. 
So it's a totally different animal at this point. Every single person, every single team who clinched anything did the exact same celebration, if you'd noticed. They all had the, um, what, take 17, which I think is so stupid, by the way. Can we, <laughs> can we become, be a little bit more creative? Every single one of them had the exact same slogan on their shirts. So if you don't think that um, whoever the company is, that Majestic, I think, is the one who, who does those, I guarantee they had paid for those shirts to be in there for the postgame celebrations when X team clinched. It's part of the business now. So the fact that these guys were like, okay, their their champagne's going to be there. The tarps are already up. They got goggles for me. Let's celebrate. I mean, what 20-something-year-old kid who's got champagne in front of them, beers in front of them, cameras, did the ex- expectation to spray champagne and beer all over another person with it without getting in trouble, who wouldn't do that? It's just unrealistic to think that their season started in early February. That's that's a lifetime ago. Hell, Chris Carter and Tyler Clippard seem like a lifetime ago, never mind spring training. And the fact that they're at this point, I think is totally okay to celebrate. Now, maybe you can argue that in 2015 when you had guys like A-Rod and Mark Teixeira and all those veterans celebrating, you're saying, well, they've been there before. Maybe they don't need to celebrate a wild card berth. But like I said, again, all these young kids, this is what they're going to, they need to get used to this. Have some fun. Can, can people just allow fun to happen? Why does everyone need to be a fun police? Well, let me tell you the other side of this, because I understand where some people are coming from, because you're saying is they should get used to this. So what that means to me is they should get used to celebrating to get into the wild card. Like, no, I get, that's not I what get, I meant. But that's, but that's what's taken. I mean, that's what they're doing is they're celebrating to get to the bare minimum in the playoffs. Like, and I understand it. I, I'm not against them celebrating. It is what it is. I really don't care. I want them to have fun because I think you play ba- baseball better when you're having fun and loose. So celebrate away. I think when it's an older generation thing, there's no doubt about it. There's no young people, not many of them, are saying, don't celebrate, bah humbug. It's everybody who's a little bit older. So I, I can kind of, un- I understand where they're coming from. At the same time, the, um, when you're looking at like old celebrations, when you look at the 90s championships and you look at them, they look, those, those celebrations in the, in the dugout look exactly the same as what we saw last night. So when you're looking at that and you're like, they won the World Series, they, you know, they, they have a dynasty, they're celebrating, okay, well, you see these guys, uh, these young guys celebrating the exact same way uh, for a wild card berth. Like, I understand it. For, personally, it doesn't bother me. Okay, hypothetical situation. The 2018 Yankees clinch another wild card berth. Maybe you don't celebrate as hard for that one because it's a lot of guys hopefully will be there again, like Judge and Sanchez and Severino and Castro and Didi. All these guys are going to be on the roster again next year. So maybe you have a little bit of the attitude of we've been here before. Now we have a, uh, another mission to accomplish. But right now, I have no problem with it. Um, and I think anyone that does is kind of an asshole. So. Well, the, the thing about it is that you're not going to have that opportunity. You're not going to have that choice because, uh, like I said, I'm telling you, they're all sponsored. All this stuff is a business move as well. So the champagne's there. The tarps are there. It's not like the players are saying, oh, we're going to celebrate. No, no, no. The stuff is there for you to celebrate. Now celebrate. Here, take this. Celebrate. It's going to happen every single time. They're probably going to have some freaking champagne when they win the wild card game, if they win the wild card game. No, I don't think so. You got to turn around and go, go play Cleveland or go play there'll Houston. Be some, there'll be some sort of a thing. I'm I don't you. think so. I, I th- I, I'm trying. I'm thinking back to teams that uh, the last couple of years that won. I don't remember teams celebrating. They were jumping up and down on the mound, sort of congratulating one another. But I don't remember popping champagne for that. That would be stupid. In fact, because you win the wild card on a Tuesday, you got to start uh, a division series in Cleveland on a Thursday. No thanks. I don't want to be dealing with that residual hangover. I mean, it's not like they're drinking half of it. Most of it's going all over the place. But Dude, the, did the you thing- see some of those Instagram? Did you see Castro's Instagram live video uh, last night? He had the drunk eyes. 
Yeah, I mean, Castro's going to get into it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, <laughs> some of these guys I know are going to get into it. Uh, you know Tyler Wade is partying his ass off. I'm sorry. Him Good and Frazier for him. are September going call-ups can party all they want. They don't really have anything to worry about. The, the, um, it's just, it's just I, I, I just, I get it. You know, uh, because when you're looking at the World Series championship celebration in the clubhouse, it looks exactly the same. That's all. It does. It's anticlimactic. It looks exactly the same. So I, I don't know. As a player, honestly, like I like to celebrate, but I, sometimes maybe it is over the top for for clinching a wild card spot. So I think you you, clin- you I think you celebrate twice as a team. You celebrate if you when you go to the playoffs, and then you celebrate if you win the World Series. Actually, but maybe they, three but times that's not if you what win happens. the pennant. If you win the pennant, they don't always they don't celebrate after a wild. card. I don't think they celebrate after a I wild gotta card go back or a to division. See, I, I got to go back to like check social media's uh, accounts of of uh, teams that have. That won each round. I swear to God, they they all each do the same round. Thing. That okay, each round is stupid. Uh, but if you win your league, if you win the American League, you're going to the World Series. You win the pennant. I think you can celebrate. Yeah, look again. I don't really care either way. I'm just kind of talking through this because I know that there's people on both sides of the fence. Well, it was fun. It was fun to see the guys celebrating. I think we. It was fun to watch them. I think it's funny to when you see the personality show uh, in those types of situations. There's no doubt. Right, because you remember a couple of years back in the 2015 one, John Ryan Murphy came out of nowhere, won the MVP of the celebration, just dumping champagne all over Brian McCann, sticking his head in into the into the the camera shot of the guys being interviewed. And we had guys like that. We had, like you said, the personalities show through that you don't always see. Yeah, there's there's definitely that side of um, that's what's beautiful about social media now is because you can actually see a lot more of the real person behind the baseball player. And you definitely see that type of thing. I mean, seeing Tanaka just like sneaking up on people, like drinking like one sip of the beer and then just nonchalantly dumping a beer on Sonny Gray's head in the middle of an interview. I, I, I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating <laughs> that he's back there just opening this beer so slowly, like just casually. And then just goes up and just pours on him nonchalantly. And you get this like stupid little grin and he walks away. I, I think that type of thing is funny. Cause one, you don't see that from Tanaka ever. You, Tanaka feels like a 40 year old man to me. He doesn't seem like a 27 year old, 28 year old um, kid at all. 29, He's, 29, 29, whatever. He feels 40, maybe 45. Um, he definitely feels older than me. That, that's just the way I look at him. He, I, I see that guy. I'm like, that guy's older than me, but he's not, he's not older than me. Um, and he acts like that. But then you go and see in a clubhouse when he's pouring a beer over someone's head. And like, okay, he's a kid. Yeah, that's true. And he did it three different occasions. It's a little interesting for him to have that uh, attitude after he had a, another dog shit start on Friday. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> Everybody can celebrate, but Tanaka, no celebration. That's true. You Tanaka needed terrible. to be in there doing work. He needed to be looking at film. Yeah. He, maybe he could sip a beer as he was looking at film and stretching out his arm, getting ready for his next start. How dare he pour a beer on Sonny Gray when Sonny Gray went out and did his goddamn job? <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. And, and Bird uh, starting the circle around Meredith, dumping beer all over her head. That was, I've seen the start of that video a number of times on the internet. It ended a little differently for this time. But all I'm saying is I've seen the start of that video. I'm going to throw this out there. And I have no idea anything about their personal situations. But I can see Greg Bird and Meredith Morakovich having a, a very happy relationship Ooh. with a lot of kids and being very happy and living happily ever after. You think there's a little it. bit more to it? I think maybe that was a little bit of a flirtation. I think maybe <laughs> that was a little bit of Greg Bird being his awkward. We know he's awkward, right? Bad jokes. We've heard this. Ref Snyder kind of gave us the, the, the lowdown of Greg Bird when he was uh, on the show. I don't know. I think that was maybe his, uh, maybe one of his, like, you know, a fifth grader 
like punching the girl uh, to, because he likes her. I think yeah. that's what Greg Bird was doing. <laughs> that's that's how that's how Greg Bird flirts. He's that kind yeah. of guy. He dumps uh, spears on their head. At least she wasn't wearing a poncho. I give her credit for that. Yeah, she was talking about this in game. They were asking her if she had prepared because they know if they uh, if they see this is the thing. It was all set up. If the um, if if they did win and they did clinch, that you know was she prepared? And um, she actually went. Out, she had said that she went and bought a, a dress for the occasion, a black dress, so that they could be soaking wet and have no you know issues. So they were prepared for it. So do you think that the Yankees had any say in when they were celebrating? Because say. Um, they were asked, do you want to celebrate if you clinch the wild card or if you clinched the number one wild card seed? Because maybe they could have waited until they at least know they're playing a home game in the wild card. It's very likely they are. Like we said, they're four and a half up on Minnesota right now at seven to play. Something horribly wrong would have to happen if they don't play that game at Yankee Stadium. But do you think they were asked or do you think they had any say in that? I don't think they had much say in it, but I do think that maybe the situation also could have dictated what happened. So let's say that the Yankees were to have clinched on a loss, but everybody else lost too, and just the, it was a numbers game and they clinched. You're not going to see a celebration at that point, right? Most likely not. Well, the Red Sox celebrated when they lost a couple. Was that last year? Remember Teixeira hit the walk-off home run? But because another team lost, the, I think because Baltimore or Toronto lost, the Red Sox clinched the division and they celebrated even though they got walked off on. But that was a division win, right? Like they won the division. Division, division win. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I'm just saying maybe the, the situation would have dictated that if they had won, that they celebrate. If they didn't win, maybe they celebrate when they get the one, the one seed for the wild card. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm completely speculating. I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. I don't know that it's 100% sponsored. I, if I were to make a bet, I would place a lot of money on that, yes, it was sponsored um, because they all had those T-shirts. That's To me, that's, that's a sponsorship right there. So, um, I don't know. I guarantee some of it's already dictated to what they have to do, though. Will we ever hear Aaron Judge acknowledge the fact that he's had a pretty good season for a rookie? Because he was, again, coy. Typically coy for Aaron Judge, very Derek Jeter-esque when he was asked about his season and celebrating for the, for the, uh, for the wild card. I think you'll get an answer similar to this. I think once the season is over and done with and he's looking back, because that, that's when it'll happen. It's not going to happen before that. It'll happen in the offseason or maybe in spring training next year. He'll say, I did some things that I wanted to do. I achieved some of the goals that I wanted to do, but others always work to get done. I'm working to get better. Um, I'm happy with the way that last season went, but I'm striving to get better every single day. And he'll also throw in the fact that depending on how the Yankees finish the season, if they don't win the World Series, he'll say, but the ultimate goal is to win a World Series, and we did not accomplish that this year. Team guy. Team, Team guy. guy. Love it. Yeah. Um, Judge looks, he hit two more home runs on Sunday, 47 and 48. So he's one behind McGuire for the rookie record of 49. Asterisk, asterisk on the, on the 48 Aaron Judge home runs because he does have 49. Somebody no, he has, he has 50. Don't you Somebody remember? There's, oh, there's, there's three two of them. them. No, three. Because three. Melky stole one. Jackie Bradley Jr. stole one. And then I'm the not talking about the, I'm not the talking about the legitimate. I'm not talking about the legitimate stolen ones. I mean, those okay. were those were home run balls that were legitimately taken back by defenders. And and the Melky one was uh, 100% not going out. Still, I believe this. I think it was. No, you're you're blind. There's no way that the <laughs> ball was not going out. The Jackie Bradley Jr. was 100% going out. That dude, well, that was a ridiculous catch. No, the umpire stole a home run from him. That is 49. That's true. Um, remember when we were talking about how, oh, maybe what if Aaron Judge finishes the season with like 72 home runs? That was back in the day when he was on pace for like 75 home runs. We're like, no, if he finishes 72, there's going to be an asterisk. Yeah, I know. This is the problem here. 
But no, uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, two more. The dude's locked back in, which is very good news for the Yankees. That's what I was going to say. His swing, he's making hard contact again. So even outs are being hit hard, which is awesome to see. He's still taking his walks. He leads the league in walks. He leads the league in home runs. And I think uh, OPS or, or near the top in OPS. Um, but his at-bats look better. He was yeah. having terrible at-bats. He looked in between. If it was a breaking ball, he couldn't pull the trigger on fastballs. He was taking down the middle on 3-2 counts. You're like... Judge, what the hell are you looking for? It's a fastball, thigh high. How do you not swing at that? You don't, you're not seeing that as much anymore. And if Judge is getting back, uh, locked back in for a potential wild card game, then that's awesome. Yeah, no, that is awesome. Because especially if he's having those good at-bats and he's hitting the ball hard, if the game is at Yankee Stadium, which it's going to be, then even his misses can go out of the stadium. We've seen that. You know? And he's getting back to that form. I mean, I was looking up his numbers over the last month. Just over the last month, he's at 274, nine home runs, 20 RBIs. You're looking over the last week to two weeks. Last week, he's hit over 400 with uh, three home runs, six RBIs. So the guy is hitting the ball to the ballpark. His batting average is going back up. I mean, he's at 279 right now. Um, You're just seeing much better at bats. You're definitely seeing him go with the ball and go the other way, which was the approach for the first half of the season. So I don't know what happened to get him off that approach. I don't know if that left shoulder was nagging at some point, and that's why he wasn't able to you know, completely close on the ball because it was something was bothering him. Very well could be. We'll probably never know until a book is written in 20 years. But the, the fact is, is that maybe everything's feeling better or his head's back in the... I don't know what it was, but he's going the other way again. He's um, And that's where his power alley is because when he is going that way with the outside pitch, he's still pulling the ball on the inside and both sides is going out of the ballpark. So this is very, very good news. Don't you know that the home run derby ruined him? Yeah, it did. There's no doubt of it. Well, for a while, there was getting us. As much as we said that the home run derby did not ruin him, we're like, oh, shit, mate. Maybe the home run derby did ruin him. <laughs> if he if it comes out after the season that he maybe tweaked his shoulder in the home run derby, I'm going to be extremely upset. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I really I really do believe something was going on with that. With, with the shoulder? With the shoulder. I don't know if it had the, yeah. with the home run derby, but I think something was going on with the shoulder. And and honestly, it does make sense if you think about the approach of the plate and the way that he was opening up. When you open up like that, your, um, your, your front side is not as engaged, whereas you're closed off, your front side is a lot more engaged with, uh, with your swing. So, I don't know. This is me speculating again, but it does make sense. I think it's, a, it's the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm of issues for Judge. Maybe it was a little bit injury. Maybe it was a little bit rust coming yeah. out of the All-Star break. And maybe it was a little bit the fact that he's, he's a, a freaking rookie. rookie? He's a, a freaking rookie. <laughs> like, it happens and to he was rookies. And he was hitting for the freaking triple crown in the first half. Yeah. yeah. Maybe things got a little big for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a human being. He is. As much as people don't believe it when you look at him, he's still a human being. And things can happen. And things can get between the ears. And those things can affect the way you play and affect your mechanics and a whole bunch of things. So, yeah. And the league also made adjustments. So maybe it was his turn to make a readjustment. So I see your adjustment with my adjustment. And now he's back. Right. You can you can say all the right things in the media, but still, like you said, what's going on between your own ears can be, oh, I'm hitting for the triple crown. Holy shit, I didn't think I was going to be here. Oh my God, what am I going to do in the second half? I need to keep hitting. I need to keep hitting for average. And then it snowballs on you, like we said, the snowball effect. And it kind of got away from him for a while. He hit about 180 for two months. 
when you start seeing your name next to all of these uh, these like ridiculous Yankees like Babe Ruth and you're passing Joe DiMaggio and your you know your your name is is up there with uh, Ruth and Gehrig and some of these numbers and you're just seeing all of these like ridiculous Yankee names and your name is there too now and you look down and you're like holy shit how did I get here I was striking out 50% of the time last year and now I'm mentioning them these because I'm having such a ridiculous year you're right all of these things can happen and how old is he 25 26 25 i mean let, let, i was a worthless human being at 25 years old this guy was hitting for the triple <laughs> crown in the first half and and amongst the names of ruth and Gehrig and uh and dimaggio for god's sakes yeah maybe some of that got to him along with a little bit of a tweak of an injury maybe it's kind of funny because we uh as we do this podcast we live and die with every single game and we're following the team so closely i've always followed the team closely but but it's especially we we just like I think sports radio guys do you you go up and down with the team you go up and down with the players when Judge is slumping we harped on the fact that he was slumping and we were trying to figure out what was going on when he was hitting for the triple crown we were like holy shit he's hitting for the triple crown but when we are going to look at his season and you look at it in the context of a rookie he's going to hit around 270 he's going to hit close to 50 home runs maybe he'll reach 50 home runs with over 100 RBIs and over 100 walks those numbers are gaudy. So it's just the big picture thing. We have to take a step back and look at how good he's been. But when, when we are dissecting it, it's the two months of lull. And I'm sure there's seasons across the board where guys have had that, right? We just don't know because we didn't follow them as closely. But I'm sure there's, there's times that it's happened for Yankees or whoever else. They go into a month-long slump and you just don't know why they're in a month-long slump. It happens all the time, especially in baseball. Baseball is probably the most... Uh, of the of the sports, probably the most streaky. I mean, you can you can get absolutely down when you have a, another person that's. It's basically a one on one sport. Yes, it's a team sport, but at the end of the day, it's a one on one. It's you versus a guy that's throwing 100 miles an hour at you, a baseball at you. So when when you have, to, it's I think it's the hardest thing to do in sports to hit a baseball, especially when it's moving at ridiculous speeds and it's uh, it's making different uh, you know angular motions very close to you at high speeds as well. It's the hardest thing to do in sports, in my opinion. And when you're trying to do that over a very long time and stay consistent for that entire time, it's nearly impossible. Uh, now we're talking about a rookie. So, True, true. Uh, speaking of that hardest thing, that reminded me of a conversation that I heard when the Indians won their 22-game win streak. Do you think it's harder to win 22 in baseball or, or 22 in another sport? Baseball. I think baseball is the hardest thing to do to put that many games because they're playing every single day. And the pitcher changes. The, the pitcher changes. You go to different places. You're playing every single day, literally. No other sport plays every day. Right. Yeah. And hockey and for if as you long have a as win streak. In and outdoors, have, in the heat. Right. If you have a win streak in hockey or whatever it is, you have the same goalie, same quarterback in football. So, yeah, I agree. Um, Friday, Tanaka did not look good. It was, um, he's been a little shaky his last couple starts. He gave up seven earned runs. And I was looking at his season. It was the fifth time this season he had given up seven earned runs or more. That's pretty insane to think about how good he has been in his career. But giving up seven earned runs in one game is basically just getting absolutely destroyed. He's been destroyed five times this season. So when you were looking those up, uh, we haven't talked about this, but w- how many of them were in the first half of the of the season? Because I, for- I mean, I forget. I, I, I had to, if I had to guess, most of them. I don't think he's given them. up seven earned runs in the second half until Friday. So we're seeing a guy that that has you know turned a corner, it seems, and then came out and and just put up a, a complete stinker uh, with, as far as 
as far as an outing goes. I mean, it was terrible. Um, so I don't know. It's it's tough for me to uh, to completely the, the the problem I saw honestly was the home runs again. And at this point, he was mentally out of it. I thought like during that for that Ryan Goins home run, that grand slam, O two count, and he just leaves a ball over the plate for Ryan freaking Goings to hit. Really? Like no, you cannot do that. I'm sorry, you as um, the the quote number one pitcher that was on this team getting paid as much as you do Masahiro Tanaka as a man you cannot leave that O2 pitch out there for Ryan freaking Goings to hit out of the ballpark you just can't do it as a pitcher you might be able to do that but not as a man no not as a guy and, and you sure <laughs> shit cannot be sneaking up behind Sonny Gray and pouring a beer on his head after you give up an O2 grand slam to Ryan freaking Goings that's what I'm can't saying happen. three home runs allowed on Friday his I don't know what his season total is but it's it's probably close to how many home runs Aaron Judge has. It's you know, it does make sense to the fact that home runs are up everywhere, so there's going to be more home runs uh, against pitchers. This is probably a little bit more than you'd want to see as an escalator, but um, oh, it think? does it, it does make sense that his his home runs are up because he is susceptible to the home run ball even before. Um, we just usually saw it with not very many runners. The the runners were certainly not on first, second and third, and usually it was not a Ryan Goins type. So here's the problem. He's going to make a playoff start if they make the division series. And, the, and again, he was not able to battle. He gave up in that game to Toronto. So what happens if he doesn't have his A stuff in a division series game in game two against uh, Cleveland? He's just going to give up, and he's going to give up three run and grand slams to, to Santana and Encarnacion? Is that what we're going to get from him? Or is he going to maybe battle for once in his life? Well, I think he's going to give, a, give the opportunity to battle, uh, but he's not going to give too many opportunities. I think Joe will have a, a very quick hook if he sees something that he doesn't like because there's, there's definitely been a pattern with, um, with Tanaka giving up home runs. Uh, a lot of his body language screams that he is just not there. I mean, I, you can see it on his face, on the way that he carries himself after some of these home runs. It's not good. And I do believe as a pitcher, body language does tell a lot of the story. We saw it with Michael Pineda. It was the entire story. The guy was bipolar. It, you didn't know what the hell was going to come on that next pitch. You had no idea. Um, Tanaka does wear his emotions to me when he's doing poorly. He gets very frustrated, and you can see it. Almost like he's just, uh, I don't want to say given up, but you can just see the frustration all over him. Um, the, here's the deal. He, the, gets, the nice discour- he is, gets discouraged. He gets he, down on himself. The beautiful that's what, thing that's is, what it looks like is that he doesn't need to be that number one ace guy anymore. It's not, that's not where he is. You just said division series, this is after a wild card where Severino is going to pitch. So he would be probably the number three guy at this point. Sonny Gray yeah. probably taking the ball uh, in the number one, unless Joe gets all sentimental and puts Tanaka on there, which I could 100% see happening. But You think he'll put Tanaka instead of Sonny Gray if they make it to... We actually have a mailbag question coming up about this, which we can get into more depth, but you could see him going with a game one with Tanaka? I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Joe Girardi, no doubt. I think we're going to see how the situation plays out. Um, you know, what time the game is, when the game is, where the game is, if, whether we're talking about Houston or um, Cleveland. I, I don't know. I think whatever the, the factors of that series will determine who goes first and who goes, who goes second, how they line up for the remaining games of, the, of that series as well. So um, I don't think he's against it. I think Joe would do it, and there's no doubt. I think he would do it, and he would tell everybody he has confidence. You said earlier that if he has a start like this in the playoffs, then Girardi will just pull him. Why did Joe leave him out there to give up the Grand Slam on Friday? That game, they needed to win that game. They were still in the division hunt at that point. They were four games out of the division. That was a must-win game for them. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think he left him out there too long in that game. Um, I, I, again, Girardi does things. Uh, I think he sometimes has a little bit too much confidence in some of his guys. Whereas you see guys like, um, you know, CC. I mean, he, he's pulled CC a number of times very early. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's done that with Tanaka. I think we're talking when we're talking about the playoffs. It's a different animal, especially when you have the bullpen uh, in a short series. I, I think it's a totally different animal than even the situation that he was put in on Friday. It's probably a moot point at that at that time because the Yankees weren't hitting. And uh, it was already, what was it already, 4-1 to one at I that point? I think it was 4-1 at that point, yeah. Yeah, but you had an off day on Thursday, so your bullpen was completely rested. Maybe you, you yank Tanaka after the fifth inning and you just send Chad Green or David Robertson out there and say, we're still in this game, we got to win this game. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it matters too much right now. You know, honestly, at, at this point, well, it was at a this bad point, start it doesn't matter, But it doesn't matter at this point because... They clinch the wild card, and the Red Sox pretty much are going to clinch the division. But if you you think about that game on Friday, it did matter. I don't think Girardi was has the mentality that um, he's going to pull out every stop to win in these games. I don't think he was in that mentality yet. I think he was going to let this this team play out how it did. Obviously, he's going to put his best foot forward. But I don't think he saw the urgency to catch the Red Sox, honestly. I think he sees the urgency mostly to get his guys ready, make sure that everybody's in the right place, make sure that people are um, healthy, make sure that the lineup is uh, you know setting up to the way he wants it, the rotation setting up to the way he wants it, the uh, the bullpen setting up to the way he wants it. I feel like that still has, was his priority, even though everybody's talking about the division, the division, the division. I have a feeling a lot of them were like, okay, if it works out and we play our asses off like we are any, anyway, and if it works out and the Red Sox are losing, then we can start pushing it further in the week. But at this point, we're just going to play the games. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the Yankees night anyway because they had a hidden ball trick pulled on them. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I Sorry, don't I think he was drink out. Of water. No, I don't think Frazier was out. I he think was that- out. He was out. His foot was off the bag. I think it was too I, close. I think, it's, I think it was think too close for the umpire to call that. I think it's so dumb how the um, even in like like that was it was that reviewed? I don't remember if that was reviewed or not. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. So I, first of all, I wasn't watching at that point. I had uh, I had Seinfeld tickets that night, and I and it was lucky that I I wasn't home for this game because it was infuriating. But. Um, so I was following on Twitter and I just saw hidden ball trick and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How often does a hidden ball trick happen? Yeah. I mean, the, the tag was on him. The ball was placed on him the entire time and he turned, he did a roundabout, faced the outfield, took his foot off the bag. I mean, it was, he was out. There was no doubt. It was, you know, I, I think those plays at this point are pretty ridiculous. Like everybody, some people will say it's a savvy move for Toronto. I don't know. It's Bush League shit, honestly. But it's also at the same time, like, really, you're going to fall for that shit? It's Bush League until your it, team does it. Then it goes both. Awesome. It goes both ways. <laughs> it goes both ways. Like it's it's dumb to do it. It's really dumb to get caught by it. Yes, it's absolutely dumb. That was like the first thing they taught you in Little League is don't get fooled by the hidden ball trick. Well, and and also especially now, like stay on the bag. Always stay on the bag, no matter what, because the amount of, the of cameras that are on you, the reviews, stay on the bag. Always stay on the bag. I just thought the ump was a little bit quick to call him out. That's all. Well, either way, he was out. He knew it. (laughs) He had egg on his face for damn sure. Uh, Severino on Saturday before the game hit with a line drive in batting practice. Went down like he got shot by a sniper from the fourth level. 
everything is fine with him though but when i saw the video of him going down rolling on the floor looked like he was in agony i was like well there goes the season of course this is how the 2017 yankees season ends with severino going down in batting practice just like montgomery got hit how the yankees have this happen to them twice in one season it's so typical yankees but looks like we dodged a bullet yeah, thankfully. I, I think I saw the guys making fun of him. I think Didi was making fun of him with his antics the way he went down. So it seems like nothing is wrong and everything's all good. But yeah, what are the freaking odds that two of our pitchers, two of our starting pitchers, two of our young starting pitchers get hit by a batting practice ball? That's ridiculous. I would like to volunteer to be the guy that is in the outfield shadowing all the important pitchers to make sure they don't get hit with a, with a line drive during batting practice. I don't know if I trust you to be that guy, to tell you the truth. I need some guy who's, who's uh, 100% dependable and I know will catch that ball. I'm just what? not sure. I haven't seen you. I haven't seen you. I don't know. I can't talk. I can't speak to your catching abilities. I've never seen you catch a ball before. I will take a, I'll take a ball in the face for him. I'll just dive in front of it. I might not catch it, but it's not going to hit him in the back. I'll tell you that. But you might misjudge the ball. How am I supposed to know? What if, what if it's knuckling? I, I don't know. There's a million things that can happen. I need to see you in the field before I can give you that job. Can we at least agree that they need, they need to have a guy? The Yankees need a guy for that. Yes, I think we should have a guy if we're out there. Let's have some guys out there shagging balls. Or at, <laughs> least, or at least yelling, heads up, Severino. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, vamos, the fucking ball is coming at you. <laughs> Somebody give this guy a heads up for God's sake. Well, he's also got his back to the back to the infield, which is stupid. Just like yeah, falling for a hidden ball trick, you can't have your back to the infield. That's that's this. Okay, hidden ball trick is the first thing you learn. Back to the infield is the second thing you learn. We should use some common sense when we're talking about hidden ball tricks and batting practice. Let's not be out there and and uh, and expect that the ball's not going to hit us when there's a dude just hitting batting practice balls, spraying them all over the field. Maybe that could hit you. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Sonny Gray pitched, uh, got the win. He didn't, I don't think he looked as sharp as he had in the past for the Yankees. It kind of makes you a little bit concerned because both him and Tanaka were pitching so well in August and and early September. And now as we're approaching a playoff, we hope they both get playoff starts. They're hiccuping a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not concerned of it because the guy still pitched to six innings. He gave up a run. Yeah, he dodged. I think he dodged some problems. I mean, he still had three walks, giving up some hits. Three walks. Gardner made two spectacular plays in left field that saved runs both times. Yeah, the guy was not on his uh, his his complete sharp game. Uh, I'm, I'm I just can't get worried about these things yet. I don't know. I I feel like the next day he could have a gem. That's yeah. just I, I have confidence in his in his ability in um, in his his when I look at uh, Sonny Gray as a pitcher and what he's done in the past in big games, I have confidence in that. So I, I don't think I'm not really taking this start and saying, oh, we're in deep shit, we're in trouble. We got to really watch what Sonny Gray's doing at this point because we're getting close to the playoffs and he's going to have the ball. First of all, we got to get through the first game. I, I, we got I will say that we keep talking about like further on, not getting ahead of myself, nor are we, but we have to talk about it. Yeah, we kind um, of are. A little bit, but if we lose same, to the Twins, we're going to be ape shit. That's all we're saying. Yeah, we can't lose to the Twins. I got to. We cannot lose to the Twins. They don't even want to. Their fans don't even want to play us. They would rather go home. Did you see that poll? I did. Did you see the poll? 
Yeah, I also questioned that poll. So we were tweeted. Um, Scott and I were included on a tweet that said, "Out of uh, Minnesota fans polled, would you rather play the Yankees in the wild card game or just not make the wild card in general? <laughs> not make the wild card in general." One, which is maybe the biggest bitch. No, it didn't win. Time. It didn't win. The they wanted to play the Yankees, but it was like fifty-one to forty-nine percent. It was way too close. It was it was entirely too close. That's the, winning. Um, the, yeah, that is winning, I guess. But. The um the fact is that we cannot lose to the Minnesota Twins. That's the bottom line. The bottom line is the team that cannot get us out of the playoffs this year is the Minnesota Twins. That just cannot happen. Maybe we just named this episode of the podcast. We can't lose to the Twins. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that cannot happen. Sunny I don't want to put myself in that in that situation of that happening. I really don't. It's making me upset. Getting very upset. <laughs> this is where we were going before we got down this tangent. Sonny Gray, Sabathia, and Tanaka will all get one more start the last seven games of the season before they potentially make a division series start, which we all hope they do. Yeah. And all three of those guys are the ones that you're going to see four pitchers that are making starts as long as everything goes well. And you're going to see the, those three mentioned and then Severino. So CC is definitely in there. I think Joe has a ton of confidence in CC right now. I have a lot of confidence. I, I have a lot of confidence in a playoff game with CC Sabathia and all honesty probably as high of confidence that I would have as, as a lot of these guys, maybe even number two. Uh, um, be, that's actually of, good because of his makeup. Yeah. So um, again, we have a mailbag question that gets into all of it. Um, but right now, if you had to rank them after Severino, who you have the most confidence in Tanaka, CC, Sonny Gray, how would you order it? Um, so I'm going with, if I were to make this schedule and I'm, I'm the manager, I'm, I'm putting Sonny Gray in that number two spot, but it's very close with CC because I feel very comfortable with CC. I mm-hmm. think it depends on the matchup personally. And I think where, you know, where they're playing, um, just the situation I think will dictate all that also, and could also be in that decision. But I think Sonny Gray and CC are, are right there. Although I do believe CC will not be the third starter. I think Tanaka will be. Um, but to me, my confidence level, Tanaka's four. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I'm with you on that one. But Sabathia is one of these guys that you know he's going to leave it all on the field, including his kneecap. Yeah, that's the thing. I think like Sabathia is cut from a different cloth. I think Sabathia is just, just such a competitor, and he's really figured out how to pitch now with what he has left on his arm and his repertoire. And I have a lot of confidence in that. I think he's a very smart guy. I think he's a good baseball guy. And I think that um, because of that and because of his experience – you know, I just have a ton of confidence in him. And I, I don't see playoff teams bunting on, on CC Sabathia. Oh, I mean, if you're a playoff team and you don't bunt on CC, I think you're an idiot. I don't see it happening. Usually these teams are coming out there, they have good bats. What, are you trying uh, to win I, the right way or are you just trying to win? No, I just don't think they're... I, this is what happens in baseball. I think a lot of times when teams are not used to doing something, they don't do it, even if they think they can do it. That's true. No one can it. bunt anymore. Right. Bunting, bunting is, is gone. You um, think that the you think that those uh, those Houston Astros are going to be up there bunting? I mean, maybe I could see potentially um, a couple of their guys bunting, but Beltran ain't bunting. McCann ain't bunting. None of their outfielders are bunting. There's there's just a lot of a lot of guys. About that the pride of Connecticut, George Springer, he might bunt. Yeah, yeah, but he can have the ball to the ballpark, and you know if you're looking at the metrics, then launch angle and be bab bab babip, then you know I, I like my chances about there. About xfip. Yeah, all of them. All, you know, throw throw whatever you want in there. Uh, before um, the Yankees, the Yankees were getting shut out by Joe Biagini on on Saturday, and then and then Greg Bird hit a three run bomb. Al Leiter was making John Olerud uh, comparisons out there to Greg Bird, so clearly he's a listener of this podcast because I was saying that Greg Bird reminds me of John Olerud back in February and March. 
we did have this conversation in spring training and I did agree with you. I said, I could see the similarities in the body set, like what they, what they are. And this was, this was before Greg Bird, you know, before the shell broke, before everything went bad. And, uh, and he was like, you know, MVP candidate, Greg Bird, when he was lighting up spring training. Um, but yeah, the body type that I see the comparisons, I mean, we got to see more from Greg Bird. That's just that you, it, it, to me, when you're making comparisons like that, if you're just doing it based off like what the player looks like. Okay. Um, but John Olerud has, way too long of an established career to make that comparison at this point, in my opinion. Right now, if you had to say who you think Girardi will play in that wildcard game, obviously it matters on who is pitching. But right. if we assume it's going to be Minnesota and they're pitching um, Santana, who's a righty, out of these four players, who does Girardi start? Greg Bird, Matt Holliday, Chase Headley, and Todd Frazier. He can only start three of them. Frazier's getting the start of third, definitely. Um so I think the decision is going to be between holiday playing or not playing. And I think at that point, I think if Greg Bird is still playing well, and I think he's, you're going to see him at first base. Cause I think, I think there is a, a tick up with Greg Bird defensively as well. And over you have Headley, that definitely over Headley and you have that power. You have the power option where Headley doesn't, Headley's been playing well. Um, I don't know what his numbers are over the past like two weeks or so. I don't know if he's cooled down, but haven't really, I haven't looked at that. The um, But Greg Bird is swinging a pretty good bat. The power's there. He's hitting the ball out of the park. So I could see Greg Bird getting that start. Yeah, But I at think, the same time, I could see Headley getting that start over Holiday as well. As DH. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I would agree with you. Because Holiday's just been way too inconsistent since he's come off the DL. He has not looked right, really, since he had one stretch of like 10 games where it looked like Matt Holiday of April and May. But since he came back from that illness, I'm sorry, just Matt Holiday has not looked right. The other thing about that, if you're talking about a one game, if you're talking about a one game wild card, uh, and that, and that's the situation we're talking about, Chase Headley actually gives you a lot of options off of the bench too. Um, so that's a situation where you're looking at a guy who can hit from both sides of the plate. He could play third. He could play first. He could do a lot of different things. He could steal a bag if you need him to steal a bag at a crucial spot. Crazy. Like, so that's that's one of those situations where you're looking at him like he's kind of a Swiss Army knife. Might not be a bad thing to have in your pocket given a situation come up. I tweeted this out over the weekend when um, Headley stole another base, but him being kind of a good base dealer is the literal definition of you can't predict baseball, Susan. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a guy you look at and you're like, that guy does not steal bases. 100% not steal bases. <laughs> like, we're, we're all like, no problems. The catcher is getting signs. Like, no problem. This guy's not going anywhere. The first baseman's yelling that. You know, there's all these things happening. And then all of a sudden, he's gone. Also for that wild card game, though, you, you load up on position players. So you might see Tyler Wade get a wild card roster spot because he can come in and pinch run or come in and play second base or anything like that that you might need. It's a, it's a game seven, so you don't need all the starting pitchers. You need a bunch of bullpen arms and a bunch of guys that can come in and pinch run. Yeah, um, and Tyler Wade will not get in that bat because no. he just doesn't look like a major league um, uh, caliber offensive player at this point but yeah he can run the bases and he can play defense those yeah, are the two you, things that he definitely can do you need a guy to steal a base in the eighth or ninth inning or you need a guy from to score from second base on a on a two-out hit you put in tyler wade because he's fast the nice thing is that the yankees have a lot of options they really do with with given Torres out there as well um there's a lot of options for Girardi to make moves and that's why I, that's why i'm almost thinking that headley is almost too uh, I'll say it too sexy to be on the to be a starting rotation to be in the starting lineup, but to not have on that bullpen because that when you look at how many options bench, he gives you, uh, the bench. Thank you. But that would be wild that, if he comes out of the bullpen. Maybe he could throw too. Who knows? Maybe he's the first position player to pitch too. But 
um, he gives you so many damn options that that um, you know it's almost too appealing not to have him come in to a game, you know, at a different time. But you know how Girardi loves his veterans, and I think he yes. respects Headley for saying, I will go over and play first base when they traded for Todd Frazier. I think that went a long way with Joe Girardi and the fact that he's been hitting over 300 since essentially June. So that will definitely go into the consideration. And again, like it wouldn't surprise me if Headley was starting and everything was kind of the same and Bird was the guy sitting. It wouldn't surprise me because then at least you have a left-handed power back coming off the bench as well, which is also very useful. So look, there's a, there's a number of ways he can go. I don't think any one of the ways... Was, the one thing that would surprise me if Frazier wasn't playing third. I think Frazier is going to play third. Yeah, again, because Todd Frazier is a, looking at what Todd Frazier has done defensively, you realize how much better he is than Chase Headley. Defensively, yeah. defensively, he's a very and, and I know I've gotten on Chase Headley. It's mainly for his throwing because he makes a lot of nice plays with his glove. But Todd Frazier is an excellent third baseman. He is an excellent third baseman. I think he's bigger than a lot of people realize. I feel like when you when you see him, he doesn't come across as a bigger dude. But he's a tall guy. He um, he's 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 got a good range. He's got a hell of an arm, and he's just got a very good glove. He's he's uh, he's got good hands. And being third base, I think that's one of the biggest things: having good hands and being able to make that throw. One thing I've also noticed, and we've given Didi a ton of love, and it's all deserved because he's 25 home runs. He's been one of the uh, clubhouse leaders on this team, playing a great shortstop. But he's four for his last 28. Um, he's in a little bit of a mini slump. Girardi has been keeping him in that five or six spot, depending on on the pitcher, what he's doing. Didi's been usually batting behind Judge and Sanchez. Um, be interesting, maybe Didi gets a couple days off this week, try and reset him. Obviously, he's going to be starting in that wild card game. Hopefully, he's not in a four for twenty eight slump, though. Yeah, I just think Didi's such a pro that he'll be fine. Um, it's it's only he's been so good all season that you know he's hitting this little mini slump um, at, at a time where. You know, I don't know. Again, I think this last week of the season, I'm not looking too much into what's happening um, with with guys that are struggling because I feel like big situations can get guys out of things very fast. I think if you're going very well, big situations, depending on the pressure and how you handle it, can put you the other way too. But um, I think when you talk about playoffs and and you talk about the uh, the a home game against the Minnesota freaking Twins, look, this this team should be ready to go. There's no doubt about it. The way that they play at home, they should be ready to go. Before we get into mailbags, I saw a video, um, I think it was posted by Fox Sports or A-Rod or something. It was A-Rod on Fox, and he said, he was quoted, because he was asked about the uh, how much do you pay attention to your rivals. And he said, once the season ended for me and for Jeter and for Mariano, we were obsessed with what the Red Sox were doing. And the immediate reaction I had was, shut the hell up, A-Rod. Don't say that, please. Why does he always have to talk about Jeter and the guys like he's one of the guys? Look, A-Rod, everybody likes you as a commentator, minus me. I think you're robotic and annoying. But at the same time, you're not one of the guys. They don't like you. They don't want to be in the same conversation as you. They don't want you talking about them. Just stop. Nobody cares. Do Do I think Jeter was obsessive over the Red Sox after the season was over? No, I don't. I think you're full of shit. I think it was you. And you're like, oh, well, I am. So Jeter. You know, he's probably bringing Jeter in conversations that he didn't uh-huh. want to be in. He's like, that guy's like, can you just stop talking now? Like, why are you always talking to me? Why are you always right there? Everybody knows that guy. Like, why are you there? Just leave me alone. Like, give me some space. But Jeter's like, probably not going to say it. And he just wants him to shut up and go away. And he just doesn't. 
Even if they were all obsessed, just please don't say that, Era. But you're totally right that Jeter. I have no doubt that he wanted. Obviously, he wanted to win more than anything, and then he didn't want the Red Sox to win after the Yankees were eliminated. But I really doubt that Jeter was checking box scores and being obsessed over the Red Sox. Once the Yankees were out of the playoffs, Jeter probably went home and didn't even uh, turn on baseball. I don't know about that. I could see him watching it. But at the same time, you, I think it's hard for these guys to avoid anything that's happening in their sport, even after they're knocked out. Like I have a very difficult time with them not knowing what happens. Even the people that say they don't know or pay attention, bullshit. You know what happened. You probably watched the game too. Um, but I don't know. I just It's just such an A-Rod thing to do. Bring in other people. He's a name dropper. Look, he's on a good run right now, okay? Him and J-Lo are great together. They really are. They're perfect. I hope they live happily ever after. I do. Unfortunately, I think if they do live happily ever after, they are going to be all over the media and social media for the rest of my life, which is unfortunate because he's very annoying to me. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I'm sick of him talking about it. But I'll tell you what I'm not sick of. When I do go to a game, I'm buying tickets from SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better and much simpler way to do it. You buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find better seats at the right prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing like quite seeing your favorite team or musician, and SeatGeek gets you closer to the value and gets you closer to the action while saving some bucks. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I've used it 100 times. I use it when I go to Yankee games and I don't already have tickets. That's where I go. It's designed to make your buying ticket experience very simple. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites and compare prices to find phenomenal deals. Best of all, listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the app, the SeatGeek app that is, enter the promo code BRONX and you get $20 off Promo code again is Bronx for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Good stuff. Let's get to mailbags. The first one is from Michael, and he says, with the likelihood of the Yankees playing in the wildcard game and winning it and advancing to the division series, they will play their first two games on the road in either Cleveland or Houston, assuming that Severino pitches the wildcard game. Do you think it makes sense to start Sonny Gray and Sabathia on the road over Tanaka? We've kind of already talked, answered this question, but we do have a lot of stats uh, here that, that Dom helped us look up. Um, Sonny Gray at Yankee Stadium this year, his numbers are actually not that great. 3-3 three and three in 24 innings pitched, 19 hits allowed, 27 strikeouts, and he's pitched to a 4.5 ERA at Yankee Stadium. And he's been very good as a Yankee, so that's even more uh, credence to the fact that maybe you want to start him on the road in either Cleveland or Houston. Yeah, I think that um, I think that's a good thing because I think, one, you're looking at a guy who who just started pitching at Yankee Stadium, really, as a, as a home player, so... His, more of his experience is actually on uh, in, in different ballparks. Uh, you're looking at a guy who has some pretty good numbers on the road as far as the way he can uh, you know handle a game. Um, I think when you're looking at those two those two uh, teams, Cleveland obviously he's got better numbers on, but Houston really it's just it's one bad start it looks like. So uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really go too much into that because to me that's not big enough sample size. Um, I think Sonny Gray is definitely a uh, one of the guys that should be one of the starters in those games for sure, no doubt about it. I like, see, this is this goes back to the way that I would set it up, honestly. Like, I like having Tanaka at home. I don't know for whatever reason. I feel like it's just a, a comfort level for him. And well, yeah, look at his home road splits. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's, it's huge. I think it's a big thing. I feel like you got to put him in success in places to succeed. 
Uh, Tanaka's uh, home road splits at home. He's pitched 88 innings to a 3.48 ERA and on the road, 83 innings to a 6.48 ERA. So he's been twice as bad on the road. Um, another thing we also have to think about is who Girardi pitches in a potential game one ALDS. That's who would pitch game five if it comes to a game five. So do you want Sonny Gray in a game five? Do you want Sabathia in a game five? Or do you want Tanaka in a game five? Because Severino is going to be pitching game three because he, he can't pitch before game three. So if, if we're talking about that, then then that's where I'm looking at. Uh, that's where I'm looking at Sonny Gray. I'd rather Sonny Gray get another start. Then Sabathia. I, I, I have... I have well at this point. I don't think I honestly don't think that Girardi. I'm also using the my mindset of what Girardi's going to pick because I'm not the manager. But I think that Sonny Gray's going to pick, or I'm sorry, that Girardi's going to go Sonny Gray over Sabathia. I don't think that's going to be too much of a, a decision. Honestly, I think he's going to go Sonny Gray. Um, it, I think the bigger decision is if he goes Tanaka or Sonny Gray. I think Sabathia um, is clearly the third guy here in Girardi's mind. Oh, I, I think that the decision is who pitches game two. I think Sonny Gray clearly gets the start in game one. That's why you traded for Sonny Gray, is right. to pitch a, a potential game one of a playoff yeah. series. Um, but I think who they pitch in game two, Tanaka or CeCe, that will be very interesting. And That's exactly uh, again, it. more home road splits. CeCe has been better on the road than he has at home, and Tanaka has been better at home than he is on the road. So it looks like just for matchups, like Girardi can just say, hey, look at Binder. The Binder tells me what to do here. I'm pitching Sabathia game two because game two starters not getting another start in a DS. We've got Severino coming back in game three, and then Tanaka in a, in a, in a game four. Yeah, if you're looking at it the way, the way it sets up like that, then that makes a lot of sense. Um We'll see how the binder looks. Let's see how his binder... I feel like his binder is completely different than our binder. I think our binder has different stats in it. I think uh, he makes up the stats in his binder, and they may be different. It may have something to do with the the, um, the temperature in the air and the type of dirt that's on and how much water was put on the pregame onto the field itself. So I think he's got uh, variations of his binder, and I have no idea what it says. I don't think anybody does. I think it's a complete mystery. And uh, we'll just see what Joe Girardi does, but... It wouldn't put it past me. I do believe the biggest thing is that um, that if people are having the most confidence in CeCe Sabathia over these three guys, that's not going to happen. Sonny Gray's the guy. I'll, uh, the only time I'm, uh, I'll get pissed is if Tanaka gets the, the game one start of the DS. Right, but I could also see that happening. <laughs> well, get ready for me to be pissed. What's up next on the, on the mailbags? So the next is from Zach Waters, and he actually has two questions. He says, do you think it's possible for Boston to give us some of their close game magic? Uh, I swear they haven't lost a game in extra innings, and I know there has never been a greater disparity in that category between the two teams fighting for a division. Um, and then I'll read the second one as well, and we'll go at it. Who has been a more fitting last out? Has there been a more fitting last out for Yankees to clinch? Ref Snyder, or maybe would have been McCann or Beltran, A-Rod. Seems like poetic justice when ref pinch hit there. Yeah, right. just quickly full circle on the ref. It comes full circle on the ref Snyder thing is that this po- we loved ref Snyder on this podcast. And the way they clinch is a, a weak ground ball by ref Snyder playing for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, see, I hated that. Honestly, <laughs> I wanted him to get a base hit. <laughs> I didn't want it to end with ref Snyder. You sick bastard. Hitting, yeah, I did not want it to end with ref Snyder hitting a ground ball. I want a ref Snyder to get on base and then some other freaking scrub on the Blue Jays to get, get the last out. I didn't want ref Snyder to be the guy. Gibbons, and I don't you think, think he did ref that Snyder on purpose? Wanted to be the guy. You think Gibbons uh, pinch hit him yes, on purpose? Yes. I think it was dirty. It was a dirty move. And I was, I was legitimately rooting for the opponent to get a base hit. 100% <laughs> I was. Uh, the first question that Zach asked is, is um, 
obviously more more of an important question. Uh, the Red Sox in extra inning games this year, they've played 18 extra inning games. They're 15 and three. That is a ridiculous record. And they're 21 and 17 in one run games, which is good, not great. The Yankees, on the other hand, are five and six in extra innings and 17 and 25 in one run games. So Zach is absolutely right. The the one run game discrepancy is the reason the Yankees are not leading the division right now. It's also interesting when you look at the extra inning games with the Red Sox being 15 and three, and then they're only 21 and 17 with one run games that you'd feel like those would be closer. True. Uh, because extra inning games are primarily one run games, but they get a lot of big, big extra innings, you know, three run yeah. homer or something like that. Or if they're on the road, things like, so it can make it look different, but yeah. So uh, it's, it's a interesting stat to look at kind of contradictory to each other, but yeah, the Yankees have been uh, bad with the one-run games, but I think um, one thing I'll talk about that is Araldis Chapman. Araldis Chapman, when this season was going in a not-so-good way, when the bullpen was going in a bad way, when we hit that horrible stretch, um, our bullpen was bad, and whoever was pitching in the ninth inning couldn't get out. Chapman blew games. Patantis blew games. Like There were problems happening there. I feel like, at this point, Chapman has refound himself. Um, so I have a lot more confidence in the one-run games with the Yankee team that we're throwing out there right now. So I, I like like I'm seeing the one-run games and the and the discrepancy and it's terrible and it drove us insane during the season. But when I think about what this team looks like right now and moving into the playoffs, I'm a lot more comfortable in those one-run games. Uh, another thing about the one-run games, though, you also I, I can recall a few instances where the Yankees were maybe trailing by three or four runs and then in the eighth and ninth inning they get it to within one but they just can't get over the hump. And obviously that's a one-run loss, although it was really more of a blowout, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, the, the stat that you're trying to pull away from this is when we're talking about close games in the playoffs, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what he's getting at, right? Yeah. And when we're looking at that right now with the way that this team is made up and kind of the way that they're going, the bullpen's in a good spot. Like Joe listened to us last time, and his, Batantis hasn't pitched, I think, in six days, unless he pitched today and I didn't realize it. But he hasn't pitched in five or six days. He hasn't pitched in a while. They've definitely gotten him out of that eighth inning spot for a little bit. They're giving him a breather, trying to get him right. I heard uh, Girardi on Francesa, I think it was Friday, talking that, yeah, they've been doing that. They've been giving him extra bullpen sessions and trying to get on top of what's going on. So they're definitely addressing that situation as best they can. Um, so I'm a lot more comfortable with the way that the bullpen is setting up right now. I think David Robertson is a very crucial spot, pitching extremely well. Chad Green has been freaking lights out and has not faltered. And now we have Chapman going. Um, so you add them to the potential of potential getting back uh, in in good form, Tommy Canely, and and then you know um, the slew of other guys that they can throw out there for one for one batter at a time. I have a lot of confidence in that. Uh, Batances did pitch on Sunday. He pitched the eighth inning. He struck out one batter and did not walk anybody, which is good. Good news. Low pressure situation, right? The Yankees. Yeah. That game was. I mean, it was. It got back to a four run game at that point, but. Low pressure situation given the circumstances. Good time to get him in, get him right. And uh, before that, he hadn't pitched in a while. So maybe that's a good thing for him to ease back into it for this last week. And that's, that's exactly what we wanted Girardi to do. So yeah. good, good, good for Joe for, uh, for doing that. <laughs> Finally, he's listening. Yeah. Thanks for the mailbags, everybody. If you want to submit mailbags, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also tweet us at Yankees Podcast, at Andrew underscore Rotondi, and Scott's is at Scott Reinen. Call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. We have a good voicemail line coming up. A lot of people fired up for this wildcard victory. 
Uh, not victory. Clinch. Oh Sorry. <laughs> Shit. Shit. We might have to edit that out, Scott. Um, any last words before we get out of here? And uh, hopefully I didn't just jinx this damn team. <laughs> no, it looks like the writing's on the wall. We're playing in the wild card spot. So hopefully just everything sets up nicely and, uh, and we go. Um, I know September 30th, uh, Saturday. So uh, New York's going to be buzzing this weekend coming into Tuesday. Lots of good stuff this weekend. Um, I know we're going to the wild card game as well. I got 25 tickets. Um, I had some people tweet at me of who want to go to. I think I may have a few extras um, for the tickets. I'm just selling them what I paid for them just to get a good group there. So um, if you are interested in going to that wild card game, tweet me, send me a DM, uh, and I'll see if I have extra tickets. And um, They're good yeah. tickets for a good price too. Yeah, yeah, they're 100 bucks. That's what I paid for them, and I'm just selling them for what I paid again. And they're, I think, uh, row 7 and 6 in section 205. So it's in our normal section that we're going to for our outings, and that will be our, those, our two sections going into next year as well for all of game events. Um, so, yeah, I'm pumped up. It's going to be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, just, let's just hope nothing. Good week of baseball. Just a nice, nice, calm week of baseball going into that game. Good stuff. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep.
after the longest fucking torturous ride here, the roller coaster shit, the, the, the seven game losing streak, the West Coast triples out, let's fucking go. We made the playoffs. Bigger and better things are on the horizon. Let's fucking go. I'm hyped. Yo, I just want to congratulate the Yankees for clinching the spot in the playoffs. And I just want to say fuck the Red Sox, fuck Dustin Pedroia, and fuck the Apple Watches. Go Yankees. Hey, what's up, Pinstripers? It's the Eric from Syracuse. And uh, <clears throat> overall, I'm not going to be too upset about the game today. I'm sure they all went out, booze hard, and banged some Canadian flutes last night. So to be expected that they, they look like crap today. Uh, they weren't winning the division anyway, so let's get everybody healthy. Make sure you lock up the home field for a wild card game at least. And uh, see you next Tuesday in the playoffs, bitches. Andrew from Elf Kitchen. Imagine how easily we would have won the freaking division if Tanaka was freaking Tanaka this year. And also, imagine how many games we would be in if Girardi wouldn't freaking wave the white flag with Brian Mitchell after the opposition takes an early lead. Ridiculous. And imagine if Jaime Garcia was out of the freaking rotation and Monty was in. Look, I get Monty struggling, but he's still better than fucking Jaime. Uh, thank you for that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.